Hello, Master. It's been a while. We are off on an adventure! This is good. When it gets strange like this, it's a good thing. For what it's worth, I've got a good feeling. Trust me, Hera. I'm excited. This is my excited face. Get ready to be impressed! You ready to be impressed, Tam? I'm completely ready. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 113 of Geeky Bubble, part of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. I am your host, Jonah Marie, and with me is the... To my... My mom, Maria. <laughs> I was trying to talk like the chilla die. You sort of sounded like that. So, Mommy, uh-huh. new question for the new podcast episode. Okay. So, what is your favorite dessert? Oh, boy. Hmm. <laughs> you stumped me here because I really don't know what to say. Well, you know what? Actually, thinking back to growing up, I will have to say there's this sweet treats that are made out of it's a sweet potato but it's white it's a different type of sweet potato and they do a very sugary round dessert it looks like a macaroon but it's very toasty in the outside and then very gummy in the inside and it's so sweet and I used to love those things when I was growing up oh my god I would do anything my grandmother would ask just to get one of those at night <laughs> for as a treat. That will be it. Cause you don't, I don't remember the name of it? In Spanish. Well, what is it in Spanish? Dulce de batata. So it, it was, mm, my God. And it's about the only sweet that I think I felt like that, where I will do whatever my grandmother asked me. Yes. That's actually how you t- have to think about it. Like, well, yes. what what is something that you would do anything to, to to have in that moment? And for me, it would be rollo de crema. <laughs> <laughs> and that that is basically sort of like it, the same it, consistency of a pastelillo. It, it, yeah, it, it's a, a phyllo type of pastry. It gets all rolled up, filled with cream in the middle. Yeah. It's not a eclair. Because eclairs is like a donut type. But it's sort of like that idea of the eclair where you have the, the cream in the middle and it's long like that. Yeah, and that one's covered with sugar, powdered powder sugar. sugar too. And I had 15 of them in Puerto Rico when we went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <was> so good. <laughs> but please let us know what your favorite dessert is. So we're going to be talking about the children from Tehar or Tahar, as they were saying it in the show. I thought it was Tehar, but I guess this is like a yeah, Jakku. I mean, I, I, mean so I said the same thing, Tehar, and then when I started hearing them say it, Tahar, I said, oh, okay. I thought, okay, maybe it's like a Jakku, Jakku type of situation where there's different pronunciations depending on where you're from. When I see an E, regardless of what is starts with or what is followed with, I would never associate an E with an ah sound. Tahar, you know? Yeah, yeah. I would uh, associate an E sound with eh, eh, or or E. eh, Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, ah. (laughs) (laughs) Phonetics 101, people. (laughs) So this episode is written by Paul Giacopo. And Paul has done a whole bunch of things in not just Star Wars, but just in other areas of entertainment. And he's best known as a writer and as a digital model supervisor. And we start off the episode with Tam working on the fireball. Yeah. And Kaz is just super eager to help. And I thought that was really interesting because he doesn't like being a mechanic. I mean, maybe he finds it challenging. But he's starting to get into the whole concept that, okay, I'm a mechanic. I have to look the mechanic part. But he's not a mechanic. (laughs) No, he's not. He's far from it. And I love that he's like super confident and he just goes in the wrong way. Was that upper left or lower left? (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) And I love that Tam just goes crazy oh, she goes on him. berserk 
Oh my God, she threw everything but the kitchen sink on that boy. <laughs> yeah, and I love that she <laughs> she even tossed the tool and then like hit, hit him in the head. right in the back of his head. <laughs> and now, of course. He has to fix it. Yes. So now he has to find a way to repair it or I guess buy her a new one. But he has no money. And we see that when he goes to Anzis. Oh, man. He that, doesn't have that, water. That <laughs> made me laugh because Anzis sees him, right? So she gives him the liquid and she just takes it from him. Like, no, that's enough. That, that That's yeah. as much as it's worth whatever you gave me. You were done two sips ago. ago. <laughs> Like, holy macro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was hilarious. The fact that, and sad, because he can't afford something as simple as water. And Nico reminds him, like, yeah. he, he just puts it out there, states it all over. Like, <laughs> wow, Cass, you cannot even afford simple, simple hydration. hydration. <laughs> I love the way he phrases it. Yeah. <laughs> simple hydration and so they're drinking talking and kaz overhears these two guys talking about a bounty on these two missing children and kaz notices that there's a symbol on one of the kids wrists and i honestly did not recognize it i think it's meant to be that you you don't know it but i think the reason they focused on it and emphasized on the symbol is because they might focus on it at a later point, point in time. time yeah i thought so too cuz it's purposely put into camera view several times and not just when Cass sees him but the fact that they lose the the little piece of the bracelet with the symbol and then it goes from hand to hand and they always emphasize on that symbol and i love that kaz ends the conversation with what could go wrong <laughs> oh yeah and the moment he said that it says everything kasudo siono everything <laughs> especially when you're part of it kaz because let's be honest <laughs> he jumps into situations without looking first. This is a perfect example. He's not thinking, why are they looking for it? Why so much money? He's not planning anything and therefore he's not researching the problem. He just jumps into it. There's a lot of money behind it. Here's my opportunity, you know? Yeah, it's not the best strategy. No. <laughs> and it's a common thing. That's why young people tend to get into debt, unfortunately, very early, because they don't realize that it is a problem, you know. It may be easy now, but what happens later? There's not that type of thinking. That thinking you adopted as you grow older and you go through different experiences right and then we switch over to the kids are actually on the colossus yes and one of the things they eat is bacon space yes. bacon but it's actually puffer pig bacon mommy oh, remember the puffer yes, pig yes i do this is terrible news when i <laughs> when i first saw that i thought oh no poor puffer pig died well don't think about it much, Jonah, or else you will stop eating meat all over again. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. In that same sequence, there's Balls of Gruel, the guy with the gorg, the gorg vendor. It's so funny to me that he's a lot like the cabbage man, the cabbage it, merchant. It, yes, in um, Avatar. Avatar, the lesser vendor. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, I thought that was funny. The fact that they always seem to mess up his day yeah. by messing with his vending station. That was the first thing I, I, I popped into my head when I saw him again, because this is like, what, the third or fourth time? Yeah, basically. And, and, and it was like, this guy's just like the cabbage bender in her, in Avatar. Yeah, the, did you say cabbage? Oh, you know what I thought you said? Cabbage bender. Like he bends cabbage. No, no, just cabbage. Just like how you bend. Sorry, it's the Spanish in me says bender instead of vendor. Yeah, no, but that would be hilarious though, a cabbage, cabbage bender. bender. <laughs> and then the kids bump into Kaz and Niku, and that's convenient. Very yep. convenient. He won the lotto. Yeah, he did. He <laughs> won the lotto. <laughs> he should play more often. Yeah. And then Niku takes Kaz down to the engineering level. Niku just blows my mind every single time. 
because Cass says, I need eyes, more eyes on this situation, right? And the thing that pops into Nico's head is, oh, I have friends with lots of eyes, uh, unless you mind them being two at a time, you know, like, <laughs> it's like the way he processes things, the way he sees them in his head, they're amazing. Mm -hmm. He's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it was also amusing to see BB-8 rolling down the stairs, just like in The Force Awakens. So mm -hmm. it was, <laughs> I remember the first time I saw that scene, in the movie theater I was cracking up because you can't help but notice it and hear it because it goes thunk, 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 thunk. <laughs> then we meet the new species the, the friends that Niku was talking about they're called the Chilodai and they're interesting yeah. for engineers yeah because they're slow so you will think that in an engineering station you will need a set of hands that will be fast and quick but they're not like that <laughs> no far from it they did remind me of the sloths in, in yes. Zootopia and a lot of people had the same reaction where they yeah, immediately yeah. thought of the sloths and then the way Niku speaks to them reminded me of Dory in oh, yes. Finding Nemo talking to the whale yeah <laughs> hello <laughs> Exactly like that. <laughs> Another thing I really liked about the scene was when they enter the engineering level, the music that's playing in the background, it was very uh, charming. Yes. And it was something to me straight out of Harry Potter. Well, they're engineers. Obviously, this is what they're good at. Their species. So the, the species. So it's sort of like um, the music just worked with them. You know, it, it was part of their going, Movement. their movements. Mm -hmm. It was very interesting. They just go with it. <laughs> right, right. Another thing that he, Niku says is, I wish I had a carapace for myself. You know, a yes, shell for myself. And he had also wished earlier in the episode when he was working with Tam that he had a third hand. And I thought, wow, Niku, Niku wishes for interesting things. things. Yeah. He, he. <laughs> and if you think about it, they're all things that will allow him to be of more service. Yes. Yeah. He also calls the Chiladai heroes of the colossus yes. heroes of the station i like that he sees it that way because a lot of people don't see maintenance workers as our heroes they the ones that keep us clean that take away our trash uh, clean our streets clean our walls or subways or they do uh, an amazing job basically yeah yeah was there anything else you wanted to say about the chiladai I just like how they're friendly. They're smiling and they're welcoming. The way they just drop into <laughs> into um, the, dormant. the dormant state. They're working one moment and the next they're dropping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, It was awesome. I, I love them. <laughs> and then Kaz is requested to go meet with Doza, Captain Doza. And Kaz asks why they're on the run and Doza replies with mercenaries don't tend to ask questions they just want the money he clarifies I'm not a mercenary and then Doza replies with then let me ask you a question did you ever think who would place a bounty that large on two missing children or why and Kaz ultimately says that he just wanted to get them home back home to their family the entire time it felt like more of an interrogation session yes he was fishing. He's trying to no cast. He's trying to pinpoint who is this kid, where he's coming from, what is he doing here. His questioning of Cass sort of like makes me think more about Doza. Yeah, it makes him feel sketchier than when, when he, he was. was. Yes. And at the same time, I understand why he's not being completely direct with him. Because Cass might not have the full picture. Yeah. And he doesn't want to start divulging to some stranger. Yeah. So he's like you said, he's fishing for information. But at the same time, it makes him sketchy. <laughs> yeah. It, sort of like it doesn't make his ulterior motives just 
information, just knowledge. It, it, it makes it feel like I need to find out your weakness, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, exactly. The fact that he calls Phasma right after doesn't really help. Help either, yes. <laughs> His image. You're still wanting to improve relations with them. And I get that because you don't want to be on the bad end of the First Order. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it didn't feel right. Especially when he asked Cass, do you know why they're looking for those children? Why? Who would place a bounty like that over those she So if you know, if you're asking those questions, why would you call the, the first order right after and basically sell the kids out? Because now you told them they're here. Come and get them. Yeah. And do you think he actually fell for what Phasma was saying? Of course not. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If he fell for that, he's not the person we think he is. Because it takes more more of a mastermind type of head to work and do the things that he's doing. True. I know he knows. And the way he looked at the symbol, the way he, he kept looking at it. He suspects what they're doing. Yes. He, he knows he, what they're doing. He knows it's, it's, not, it's not good. But then she was the first person he called. And I think it's also important to highlight that he is worried that what happened to the people where these children came from might happen to the Colossus or to the planet. Because apparently the planet and my friend Liam on Twitter had highlighted this a few weeks ago. But when they posted the data bank entry for Castellan, it implies that the Colossus isn't the only station. No, and, and you know that because one of the scenes, I don't know if you noticed this in the last, I don't know, I, I think it was in the last episode or was it this one? It's one when, when they're coming, the camera is coming into the station from the level of the water you can see the land in the back with the lights i don't remember that yeah unless they meant for those little pieces of white round balls of white to mean something else it looked like a city in the in the background my right in the line i honestly don't remember that fascinating well i have to look into that but every time he was looking down at that piece of wood with the symbol on it it was like he was having like a foreboding feeling an ominous feeling about what could potentially happen to them yeah if they're not careful with the first order and when if then we go to the little girl and the little boy who are hiding they talk about the fact that they can't go back home and she says no place is safe from him and i at this point thought Oh my gosh, maybe they're running away from an abusive father or an abusive relative. <laughs> like, who's him? <laughs> who is this? And did you have any idea at this point who him was? Yeah. Like, before they reveal the name, is that what you had suspected? Of course, we are at that time. It's the first order. No, when I, when I heard him, I thought... Well, for one, I thought the First Order was just hunting them down. I didn't think that whatever was causing them to run away was because of the First Order. So I didn't associate what they were running away from as First Order. I just thought maybe they're running away from something that happens on their planet that they're not wanting to be part oh, of. Oh, I associate everything bad going on there with the First, with the first Order. order. That makes, <laughs> yeah. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. The pirates work with the First Order. You know, anything bad that comes that way, the station way, is first order related <laughs> i guess yeah i should i guess i should have been along those lines <laughs> but we switch back to tam and Cass for a second and i love that tam gives him the compensator she is holding it with no problems whatsoever but the moment Cass takes it it's super heavy, heavy and it goes down like a rock <laughs> yeah. you know what it reminded me the first time i saw it You, you and your friend, the noodle, noodle arms, the noodle, 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 noodle boy. boy. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it, he's a noodle boy. He has a no strength, no whatsoever. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, he has no strength whatsoever. And the reason why I hesitated there is because the next episode emphasizes that even. Oh more. boy. <laughs> <laughs> and so. 
Kaz finally sees the children and the kids reveal that they're not lost. They ran away. The fact that their whole village is gone, it's been destroyed, and they're the only survivors. Kylo Ren is the person who was behind the attack. So remember last week when I said, holy crap! That's what I was referring to. Got it. Yeah, because honestly, I did not see that coming. I I, I tried to avoid comments. I don't want to spoil myself until I see it. Yeah, yeah. And then they described that he carried a laser sword like the old Jedi stories. There were a few people actually on Twitter who had mentioned... How is it that these people, if they're from the unknown regions, how do these people know of the Jedi? If these are like faraway places that have not yet been discovered by the Republic. My headcanon is that Ezra passed along these stories. (laughs) This is my (laughs) headcanon. I think it's more of, we think of Order 66 as something that happened right there and then. One shot, done, everybody's gone. But in reality, not every Jedi was killed at the same time. This is true. So you could have had Jedi uh, escaping and looking for far away places as a way to stay alive. I like this theory, mommy. So, you know, I, I see it that way. I do understand, however, why will you think Ezra passed along the stories? <laughs> <laughs> because I like to think my blueberries out, out there. there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, yeah, I, I would think that's how. And it's funny how we in the more urban, more big city kind of areas, we don't tend to hear of the plight of the outside. But the outside always know about the big and powerful, right. you know? Yeah. So so I look at it in terms of the big city and the, the very rural place. Where, right. It's you know, just uh, also we just all don't have the same information at the same, same time. time. Exactly. And when we do get information, it's not the same information that someone else yeah. gets. The idea that people in this unknown planet and Ray, for example on Jakku, who calls Luke Skywalker a myth, the idea that they both should have the same information is not realistic. Yeah, And even though Jakku may be quote-unquote closer and the other planet, Tahar, is out there in the unknown regions, still information passes differently and -hmm. everyone doesn't have the same information or the same stories. I I don't know. I just, I, I found it interesting that they inserted that in there. And that Kylo Ren is a poo-poo head. (laughs) (laughs) I just, uh, I really want to know what I would like to, that it had been more clear is why this to children? Is it because they're trying to silence everybody or because these children mean something more? Because this is the thing, the way the children described what happened in their planet it makes it believe that not everybody died because their f- parents were taken away. They were taken away, but I think they were eventually killed. That's my thing. That yeah, um, it was what I believe is it was essentially genocide. They Kylo Ren and the others eradicated this village and anything else on this planet because this was the only way to safely keep their plans from the resistance. They couldn't have any information leaking from the locals. So the best way to do it is to eradicate the locals. These two kids just happened to slip by. And I think that was a missed opportunity. I mean, you can't go back and change the story. But what happens in this episode, I wish if we could change the story, is if Poe and Leia decided to go back to the Colossus and pick up these two kids and show them to the New Republic, to the Senate, and say, look, these are two survivors of a planet that's been eradicated by Kylo Ren and the First Order. We need to do something against the First Order. Like, that's proof. And the question that I brought up in an article I recently wrote was, would the Senate have changed their minds? Would they have said, oh, yeah, we need to actually do something about this? Or would they have continued to just forget whatever it is that's happening out there? I think that they would forget it and ignore it simply because that is the nature of of society, to be complacent 
and believe that, okay, that will pass and nothing is going to change anything and things are not going to get worse. We're just a little worse, but we're not going to get any worse, you know? And <laughs> that is the road to total destruction and annihilation because you're opening the doors for any monster to come through it. Because of the recent election and the results and everything that's happened, one of the things that Andy Gutierrez tweeted or retweeted on her Twitter, it was the first step in making society better is caring about things that don't affect you directly. Yep. And so in talking about this, yeah, the first step in making the galaxy better is caring about things that don't affect you directly. And these kids will not affect them directly. So they will choose to ignore them and allow whatever is going to happen to happen. Yeah. Because in their minds, it will never happen. Because we have done so much that it will never happen. Just like we have worked so hard and so many hundreds of years instituting a democracy and it's not going to go down, it's not going to be corrupted just because we wish it. Right, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, (laughs) yeah, it can be corrupted. And so another thing that I wanted to bring up was Kylo Ren and the massacre. It reminded me visually of, I mean, not that we saw it, but the first thing that came to my mind was Ray's vision in The Force Awakens. And there was one person, I forget who this person was now, and I feel awful that I don't remember who it was, but they had mentioned that you know the force skyping that yeah. <laughs> that ray and, and kylo yeah. ren have that the vision that ray has is actually the first time that it happens remember when she touches the lightsaber and she's going through all these images she actually shows up in a very muddy rainy area and kylo ren and his knights of ren are killing the people there mm-hmm. that's the image that i saw when the kids were describing their story i mean obviously what Kylo Ren is doing there is completely different. But just the fact that he's like on this rampage, just yeah. killing. And just the idea that that's the beginning of their, of, of their force, force Skype, Skype. <laughs> as, yeah. as we call it. Yeah. Um, because that, she that showed up in that moment, moment and he saw her. Yeah. And he reacted like he stepped forward in, in reacting to that. Whoever it was, maybe it was Ryan Johnson. I don't remember. But whoever it was that said that blew my mind because yeah. I was like, oh my God, this has been planned from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> but after the little girl says Kylo Ren, of course, the perfect thing that you put right after that in this very serious moment is Niku saying, what is a Kylo Ren? <laughs> I'm just... Yeah, I just cracked up i was like oh my lord jesus <laughs> oh and i'm telling you nico is the best <laughs> he is the best i just but i just i love that in his mind this kylo ren isn't a person is a what, what? <laughs> like what is this <laughs> And then Niku, Kaz, and Kel, his name is Kel, they go to the market to try to find something to heal the, to help at least the the younger sister. And I kind of wish that the story was different there, where it wasn't a broken leg, where it was more like a sprain. Because I don't understand how a compress with little roots and stuff will help. Maybe with the pain. Ah, yeah. But but I, if it had it been a sprain, then that I can see helping. Hey, but a broken leg, it's like, uh, I don't know how much a compress with that stuff in it was going to do. It's healing power. It's <laughs> healing power, Jonah. <laughs> you, you, you don't know the type of verbs that are out there in the universe. This is hey, true. Hey, we saw magic bread with um, Ray? Ray. This is true. Ah, come on. You know, the... Just that the thing touching on her, on her knee, you know, the chemical reaction between the sweat, the heat and the spices could have formed something that would have helped in their healing and recovery process. Wow, mommy. (laughs) You made me a believer just like that. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, I like that when Kel bought the stuff, obviously Kaz wouldn't be able to afford afford it. it. So Niku was the one who stepped up and paid for it. And he said, quite honestly, you know, money should be used on the necessities for anyone who needs it. 
Nico reminds me when I was, um, I grew up poor. And when I say I grew up poor, most people think, you know, not having a lot of money. No. When I say I grew up poor, I mean, I grew up in the countryside in a rundown shack with the outhouse and the plumbing outside. The kitchen was a dirt floor kitchen and the stove was a wood stove. That kind of poor. So when uh, my father finally finished the house that he was building and we all came to live there, I used to be like in and out. Like I, I will be there with one grandmother and then I will go to another grandmother during the week to go to school. Not that my other grandmother in the so-called quote-unquote city had more money because it was also a rundown city. But it was better because the bathroom was inside. <laughs> and it's more of a village than a city. But that's the city. <laughs> yeah. That is the city. And there was a normal stove. Right. I had this friend going to school. She had more money. So while all the other kids would go and line up in the little store to buy candies and stuff, I would just sit down and just look because sometimes we wouldn't even have money, anything for a snack, nothing. And I always remember she always made sure to buy an extra pack of cookies for me. And she will bring it and will give it to me. And I cannot say that we were perfect friends because we were not that type of friend. It was just her knowing that I didn't have. And if she had, why not share? share? And that's who Nico reminds me of. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I, <laughs> actually when my, I think it was either my first or second paycheck when I first started working the job that I'm currently in. I was just so happy that I had money. <laughs> That I I contacted eight or ten girls that I'm friends with on Twitter, and I said, I'm buying you a shirt. <laughs> what? Go to heruniverse.com, tell me what shirt you want, and I'll send it to you. <laughs> and like I bought all these girls a shirt, even if they were international. I'd spend like $20 shipping just to send it out to them. And it's because, you know, obviously these weren't a necessity and they weren't in need of it. If you have, you if share. If you're in the position, you share. Um, we live in a society that embraces and cultivates the notion of the more. You have to have more. You have to go higher. I think that the moment you start emphasizing that, you're on your road to downfall because your society is not going to be a society that grows because of ingenuity, because of hard work. It's going to be a society that maintains growth because of opulence. Mm. But that was very nice of your friend to do that and share yes, cookies with always, you. always, always. I always remember her. And so it was very kind of Niku to do what he did, did too. Yes. Something else that Niku did that... Nico had a whole bunch of fantastic moments. In this oh, no, yes. But so, something else that Nico did that just made me laugh out loud when we saw it earlier was him tiptoeing like cats. Oh, yes. <laughs> and it was so, so orchestrated. They, they looked like they were doing ballet. Yeah, you know? ballet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> B- both together at the same time. Do, 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 do. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how they give them individual tiptoeing. Yes. Ness. Because yeah. <laughs> Kaz's tiptoeing is so different from, from Niku's. <laughs> and the thing is, not only they tiptoed, but where they were trying to hide. Yes. They were. <laughs> they, they were. <laughs> it wasn't even a structure that you can legitimately hide, hide. behind. No. It was just. There, there were these poles or something. That some, it was like a, a scaffolding yeah, of scaffolding. some sort. That's of what some it was. Sort. And, and it was. <laughs> and then Nico just gets in this pose. Like somehow he's feeding in, be- in between the, 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 the width of the scaffolding. Oh, it man. cracks me up because obviously there are some things happening here that we would not see in a live action movie. That we wouldn't see in a live action show. That's but, why I love cartoons. But that's, that's why, why I love cartoons. Because it's- you can insert those elements in there and just 
uh, and it enhances the the story in a way in my yeah, opinion it, 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 it cements the whole experience it's like we get the intrigue we get the sadness we get the moral story behind and we get the comedy <laughs> yeah yeah it's all a beautiful balance orchestrated in a very nice balance yeah <laughs> And we also were also introduced to Commander Pyre, this gold yes. gold stormtrooper looking guy. And I had <laughs> Liam again had brought up on Twitter that he thought this guy looked because the the initial image we had of Pyre was in a shadowy screen cap. And so when I saw that, I thought, oh, it's just fire reflecting off of the stormtrooper. And and then he said, no, you know what? I think that's an actual gold trooper. And I said, really? I mean, they have the chrome. They have the white. Do we really need a gold one? And after seeing him in action in this episode, I thought, yes, yes we do need we a gold one. We do need one. a gold one. That looks awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but Commander Pyre is voiced by Liam McIntyre, who does Spartacus. Yes. In the show Spartacus. <laughs> I love that show. Joe, yeah. And then I had to emphasize it on Twitter because no one was talking about it. And I said, this is Spartacus. And I'm so happy he quote retweeted uh, one of our tweets for the, the Wookiee Gunner site. Yeah, and I was like, that, oh my God, Spartacus. Yeah, saying that, that they had to keep it quiet for so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was the tweet that he originally yeah, wrote. And I thought, oh my God, that's so cool. <laughs> And I honestly legitimately felt really nervous for Kaz and Niku at this point when they get caught by the First Order. Because they're running and trying to get away. They, they don't have weapons to fight back. No. And so I'm I'm freaking out at this point because I, I'm thinking, oh my God, they're going to get caught. What's going to happen? How are they going to get through it's this? It's too early, Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's how you think okay it's too early it's not gonna happen now <laughs> see i don't think that way so i like it really gets to me like oh my god they're going to get caught and i love the idea that Kaz comes up with but the execution at first is like i don't know if this is gonna work because he tries opening the grate the wrong way <laughs> yeah it's the, and he's the, struggling. The, the, the funny thing is the kid that comes from another planet that knows how to open no. <laughs> right. I, I'm telling you, he is smart. He has the potential. He just needs to develop it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we've all been there. We've all pushed on a door oh, I, where you need to pull. What are you kidding me? <laughs> you, you know what I do every single time I go through one of those glass doors? I look at the sign and I start reading it. And I say to myself, Maria, push, push, <laughs> don't pull, push. Because even when I see push, I pull. So we've all been there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I can relate to that so hard. <laughs> and I love, I love Niku's quote where he says, This is your plan, Kaz. We all plunge together into this icy waters of bodily destruction and certain death. <laughs> <laughs> Again, nobody could say it better than Nico. Yeah, exactly. And it was a smart plan. But there was a part of me that thought, well, couldn't that device sense their life forms while they're hiding in the little crevices? Because this device that the stormtrooper uses to examine the life signs of the two kids. Well, there's a life form. And there's life sign, and the device could have done only one, not both. Well, well I, to be honest, I don't remember the exact lingo they use. It, he says uh, life signs. So then couldn't it have picked up the life signs of them hiding in the crevices? That's the part of me where yeah, I thought... That, uh, yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> it could have picked but up then, on it. Then you can think that they're trying to direct their concentrate their signal into whatever is at the water ignoring everything that is around because what they have around are these workers that's true so yeah. they're concentrating on the area so you're zooming into a specific area nothing else around right okay yeah i can kind of see that now you've convinced me <laughs> it doesn't take too much to convince me <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that made it easy when you were a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when I convince you that if I say sana sana curita de rana and kiss your boo-boos, they wouldn't hurt anymore. Yes. You also did something similar when you said that if I stand in the rain outside for too long, that I'd get worms in my stomach. stomach. So thanks, Ma, because I believed that up until I was like 18. how could i project the fact that you will not grow in out of that life for so long like come on like you know when you're a parent you tell certain things to your children to control them and sort of like have them behave in a certain way but you also expect them to grow out of it no i did not i mean i did eventually i wasn't expecting that (laughs) And that was a a very good side effect, though, because it allowed me to have a more easier way of you growing up. That's true. Something else, actually, a side note, I also believed in unicorns up until seventh grade, eighth grade. Yep, yep. I remember yep. finding out the truth in class. I was devastated. I <laughs> and this is the this is the winner right here. In college, freshman year, I found out that pink lemonade does not come, <laughs> come from, from pink lemons. lemons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember this one. I and I, I remember I, when you it's oh, very yes. vivid in my mind because I remember exactly where I sat in class when I was drinking lemon the pink lemonade and I was pointing to the pink lemons on the graphic the image that's on the bottle and I turned to my friend and I said you know what? I've never actually seen a pink lemon before and my friend <laughs> Sarah she turns to me and she's like you know pink lemons aren't a thing right <laughs> and, I, and I was like legit what <laughs> What are you talking about? Um, there are pink lemons on this bottle. That means that they're real. <laughs> oh, good times. Oh, so and remember when we went to Puerto Rico and you found out that pineapples don't grow on trees? Oh, my God. Yes. This is another. Yeah. I thought they grew on trees. Pineapples. No, no, <laughs> no trees, Jonah. Pineapples. Like both things grow on trees. No. Not pineapple. <laughs> Insane. I I don't understand this world. <laughs> oh, this moment. I'm telling you, these are the moments that they make me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> and then Commander Pyre talks with Phasma, and Phasma says, "Now the name Tehar will fade from memory. Our plans will remain safely out of the reach of the Resistance." So yeah, it it just goes to show the lengths that they would go to just to be able to skirt around the Galactic Concordance Treaty that they had signed at the very end of the Galactic Civil War. So they know how to manipulate it and move around. Yeah. And unfortunately, people have suffered because of it. And what's really nice is that the Shell Folk people the Chilidae have invited the kids to have them stay yeah so this gives me the impression that we will definitely see see this yeah we we may how will they contribute to the story I'm now curious and that's the thing that made me sort of ponder why are they so important yes looking at what you said the fact that they were committing genocide and destroying everybody just so that whatever they're doing will keep quiet makes sense but to me it was like why go to a planet a specific planet and eradicate everybody when you know and it has been shown and proven from past history that you can use those people or use whatever skills or or minerals or, or whatever it is that that people have to your advantage you know what i'm saying i know what you mean i think to be honest they haven't really been clear in the show why the first order is doing things of this nature you could just i don't know whether some of this has already been fleshed out in other material but from my impression from what i've read it sounds like going to the unknown regions is a long journey so you need to have the fuel and the resources to be able to last that journey. So I'm thinking the first order is picking out planets as a trail to be able to stop at each at each location. They're all pit stops. Yeah. And 
you're bringing along with you, you the fleet and, and probably Starkiller Base. So all of these are stepping stones. And so you can't have anyone seeing this stuff and then saying, oh, you know, maybe we should tell the, the people but, all the way over there. But I, by the same token, you need people to maintain. They don't want anyone. That's the thing. They, they already have what they need. I think they're pretty much set with what they have. Mm. And, and they don't want to risk letting, maybe afterward, maybe after they're all out and having destroyed Hosnian, the Hosnian system, then they'll start the whole, we're going to enslave these people for our own benefit and whatnot. Okay, you That's convinced me. That's my theory. Me. That's my theory. You convinced me. <laughs> so did you have any other thoughts regarding Captain Doza and him holding the, the little charm, whatever it was? At this point, Captain Doza is sort of like, a, to be honest, I don't know what to think. Because in last episode, I had a pretty good idea of who he was. He's just a, a kingpin, <laughs> you know, yeah. He's just, you know, trying to make his little throne in there. But then come this episode and you're adding this mysteriousness about him. Like, why does he care about that symbol? Why does he care about the kids when he's obviously going to surrender them? Why does he care about what's going to happen to them? And even if I were to lean towards your idea that he's trying to sort of like avoid whatever is happening or whatever rumors of whatever is happening to other people around in the galaxy to happen to the station or to the planet, it's difficult to balance both last week's presentation with this week's presentation right so it's sort of like it's it's making him a sort of a, a character that you have no you, clue you can't really read you, him you, right. you, you can read him right yeah. yes exactly yeah I, I i'm intrigued by that too yeah maybe he's a red herring like what hope had mentioned in the last yeah. episode so maybe they're making us want to believe that there's that something about yeah, him. him when there's really not and, and getting our attention away from what really is, is yeah dang them yes. <laughs> storytellers and those storytellers trying to make us think <sighs> of something else dang them <laughs> Keep the good work. Yes, keep up the awesome work. <laughs> and and then Kaz gives Tam the compensator, and Tam takes it very easily into her She's arms. very surprised. Yeah. You have friends. Yeah, you have friends. She's surprised at the fact that he has friends. Right, right. <laughs> and then she asks him, what other secrets are you keeping from me? And this was like a red alert in my, in my yeah, head for yeah. Team Kazam, because I was just like, oh, man, yeah. this is going to lead to some good stuff later on. <laughs> but yeah, he, and he's like, me, secrets? I don't keep, I'm an open, basically an open book. Uh, but uh, you know what? Let, let me step away. I need to do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, oh, man, it's really going to hurt later on for Tam and Niku uh. when he comes out with the truth. Although it would actually be hilarious and in keeping with what they've presented so far and with the humor if they were like we knew all along. Especially <laughs> Niku. Especially Niku. <laughs> because he's the one that had, of all of them, he's the one that had so far more interaction in terms of Cass's adventures, right, you know? Right, So he's been there. And we know that even though he may not look as the smartest tool in the shed, Niku is a smart one. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know? Looks are very deceiving. <laughs> so he may actually already have deciphered. Okay, so he, he's not really a mechanic. He's not really doing here right. what he says he's doing. It actually reminds me of a part in Voltron very early on, the animated series where one character is hiding a secret from all of them. And at one point, this character comes out with the secret and all the other characters are like, yeah, yeah, we knew. It's obvious. <laughs> and it was just like this moment of just relief. Like, oh, yeah, okay, they, oh, yeah. they knew all along. <laughs> now, one thing that I would like to point out is where Cass was sending his message. Oh, that, the resistance, yeah. And, and, but that terminal. Yeah, that's the thing. 
like really that, that, isn't you um, think it'd be more uh, like secure secured kind of communication or something like couldn't bba have done the little transmission thingy yeah. or, you know <laughs> i know what you mean mm, yeah like come on Cass. although you could on the side of what is normal you could say he's just communicating with the republic you know he's communicating with them over there you know not necessarily that resistance yeah but then the, what they talk about is, yes. is definitely like resistance hmm. material and yeah. it, it could be intercepted yeah. yeah we'll see if there's any consequences to it but yeah so it, he does get in touch like you said he gets in touch with the resistance and uh, he speaks with elo asti that's his name and i came up with a little theme song for elo asti and it's talking with elo asti elo elo <laughs> 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 at least i think that's how you pronounce his last name but but yeah i was just like oh i gotta sing that song for the podcast <laughs> oh man uh. i hope that gets stuck in someone's head now <laughs> so they're talking and he says tehar it doesn't really sound familiar maybe it's in the unknown regions so that's when you get the idea okay this the first order is doing whatever the heck they want out there because no one no if if anyone hears about it it's going to be in the outer rim and they're not going to be able to do anything yeah so final thoughts what were your overall thoughts of the episode it's getting better it's really getting to the the center of the juicy fruit you know yeah how many licks does it take <laughs> yes we're, we're getting there mommy. Yeah. <laughs> you know it's like a toothy pop yeah <laughs> but yeah i really like how there is a a progression a progression and the, and the story is connecting you yes. know we saw in this episode that they go through the shoots and we know that Kaz had gone through the shoots earlier yeah. in the season like star wars rebels there is a purpose to why things happen and why certain things are shown because they're going to connect later on in some way either it's minor or, or bigger than that but there's a lot of connecting points Hey everyone, here's a brief ad from Hansi of the Squee Project. She's having her very own con, so here are the details. Hey, it's Hansi from the Squee Project, and we're having our first Squee Con on Saturday, December 1st at the Lyric Hall in New Haven, Connecticut. We're going to be celebrating women and fandom with performances by Tea Time for Mad Girls, Kat Smith, a film festival, cosplay guests, vendors, and then we're wrapping up the evening with a meetup and nerd karaoke at the bar. Get your tickets at filmfreeway.com forward slash squeakon. And so listener thoughts and questions, JD said, so what are the chances the Chaladai actually built the foundations of the Colossus and have been displaced slash enslaved and their home built over? Sad face. Also, Niku is a beautiful soul and I love him. Happy face. Yes. So- <laughs> Yeah, I really that's like an that interesting, idea. Yeah, that, that's an interesting thought, that they are the native people, uh, people in, the, in that planet. Yeah, because it reminds me of the, I cannot remember their name now, but the nuns in The Last Jedi. Jedi. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the caretakers. The caretakers, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, they kind of give me the same vibe. Maybe they were there before, and now they're just working in the, the guts of the Colossus. But I do like that they fixed that part for Tam. So they're whether and they didn't even ask. And and, and it goes to what Niku had said. They have eyes everywhere. That's how things get repaired. So you don't even have to put a request a, a repair order. Things just get repaired. And this piece just he just dropped it when he entered. He forgot about it. And they fixed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they knew that he needed it fixed. fixed. That's very interesting. Yeah. I want to see more of them yeah. for sure. And if anything ever happens to the Colossus, they need to be the first ones out. Whenever I think about engineers in a, in a situation like that, my mind always goes to the Titanic. And when the iceberg hit, they needed to close off all the doors to stop the water from reaching higher levels. And a lot of the people who worked down there died. Because they were trapped. trapped. 
And so my first thought was like, if anything ever happens to the Colossus, they need to be the first ones out. <laughs> oh, there will be hell to pay. <laughs> oh, boy. And so Hassan, or Hassan, apologies if I'm not pronouncing it correctly, said, This episode was most intriguing so far. The idea of Kylo Ren along with the First Order taking out villages on planets is crazy. It is truly crazy. It did not even cross my mind. I like the turtle species being the backbone of the Colossus. Those turtles are kind to keep the children, and they do their jobs at a steady pace. Similar to Terra Sanube was saying to Ahsoka, Patience is a virtue. By the way, keep up the good work and fun, ladies. Oh, thank, thank you. you. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't even think about Terra Sanube when looking at these Chilidae because they kind of look similar in how they move and just their overall look. Yeah, patience is a virtue. Yeah. Not right now, it isn't. <laughs> Where's that from, Ma? Oh, uh, mommy. Yes. <laughs> Every time I say a movie quote, I always ask my words from, and I always shame her if she doesn't remember. Oh, how many times did you have to shame me for the Jurassic Park the, one? So, okay, so this is <laughs> this is the thing we do in our apartment and in, in our home. Whenever the lights need to be turned off, I don't say, hey, Ma, can you turn the lights off? I say, turn the light off! And it's just like the little boy in Jurassic Park when he tells his sister to turn the light off when they're by the Tyrannosaurus <laughs> Rex. So every when time I-, I say that, I say, Ma, where's that from? And she forgets. Almost every time. Except for the past maybe Couple four, times. six times. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, at one point, it's like the dumb beetle, you know. <laughs> they, they, they say that uh, you can put a dumb beetle on a table and it will fall off the table a thousand times before it even, you know, sort of like thinks before it falls over again. Mm. So I'm getting there. I'm thinking <laughs> <laughs> whenever you say turn the light off, I'm thinking, okay, where is that from? When is that from? Yes. So that when you ask, I know where is that from? Yeah. So the patience and the virtue, not right now, it isn't, is from the mummy. mummy. And Matt said, thanks for replying to me on the podcast. I'm hearing low stakes a lot to describe resistance and solo, and it's getting on my nerves. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> it doesn't have to be about stopping a Death Star in order to have stakes. Kaz's life is in danger every episode. It reminds me of when Rebels was going on, and every time there was an episode that didn't directly connect to the original trilogy, somehow it was a filler episode. Anyway, I'm just venting. It's okay. You can vent with us. Yes, you can vent with us because we think the same thing. Yes. I thought this was another fun episode and I'm in love with the Chelodai. I get that having a species of turtle people that move slow is a little on the nose, but it was designed, lit, and animated so nicely that I didn't mind. At first, it reminded me of the DMV sloth from Zootopia, (laughs) but I also got some Dark Crystal Uru vibes from them too. You know, I never watched that movie, but my friend has and she said, you should watch that movie. And so I should watch that. I was also struck that Kaz can't even afford a glass of water. The resistance needs to kick this kid down a salary of some kind. But I do like that it did serve as a way to illustrate Niku's generosity of spirit and credits. Every episode, I like Niku more and more, so I really hope they aren't setting me up for a twist reveal with him. Finally, I like that Kaz has a lot of successes and failures per episode. He's shown to be physically incompetent when repairing the ship, but in the next shot, he expertly dodges Tam's thrown wrenches. He comes up with a brilliant non-violent plan to save the kids, but can't open a simple door. (laughs) (laughs) I know the feeling of embarrassment after making a goofy mistake, so I can relate to Kaz in that way. Thanks again for the show. Since my kids aren't really into resistance right now they are obsessed with i love lucy reruns at the moment yeah, yeah. I love lucy. <laughs> which is awesome because we yeah. made an i love lucy reference last time with the chocolate yeah yeah uh the podcast is really my only discussion outlet for the show besides twitter so we're happy that we're, we we're happy to. to be here for you and for anybody that just wants to give us their ideas, their opinions. Like with always, we may agree on some things, we may disagree on others, 
but it's healthy discussion, healthy communication, and we welcome it and love it. Yes, agreed. The last comment we have is an email from Ben. Ben said, I'm wondering what you think the First Order was doing on Tehar or Tahar. <laughs> My fi- <laughs> I, keep, I keep wanting to say Tehar. My first thought was that they would be kidnapping the children for the Stormtrooper program, but they said it was Kylo Ren who burned down their village. That sounds like more the beginning of The Force Awakens. What do you think? That's right. That's, At that, the beginning yeah. of The Force Awakens, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's funny how I remembered the Force Vision instead. But yes, they had destroyed the the village at the beginning, and it was just to silence whatever it was that they were because the, at that point in time, the First Order had not revealed themselves just yet. So they did have to kill everyone on site because they didn't want to have anything escape just yet about their activities. But I also, Ben, I also thought about the Stormtrooper program, because yeah. as we know, Finn had Finn, been taken yes. as, a ba- as a baby uh, to become part of a Stormtrooper program. So I thought when I when, when I was writing up my preview article for this over at Culture S, I had also included the Stormtrooper program as a possibility, because my theory was that they had already been enrolled in it, and that they were trying to get out of it so i thought it was going to connect some way or give us more information about finn somehow even though finn isn't here at this point in time that did not turn out to be the case but here's hoping we do see something like that down the line but yeah we already talked about the first order and and uh, well my theory is that they need these stepping stones to get to the outer rim and finally move into position to do what they need to do because Starkiller base was done all the way out in the unknown regions yeah so this planet they need to move it to a specific location to be able to reach finally Hosnian Prime. Yeah, I- I'm thinking it's just all slowly but surely taking one step at a time and all these planets just there can't be any witnesses to their activity, sadly. Yes. So who knows how many planets they've taken. How many people they've killed. How many people they've, yeah. Now I'm curious, actually, now that we're talking about it, now I'm curious whether this was what Ezra was referring to. I guess Dave Filoni was referring to because we know I I don't think it was mentioned in the show that they were going to the unknown regions I think that was just implied and it's something that the fans have picked up since then because of the Chiss Admiral Thrawn's people and the fact that they live in the in this area so I wonder if whatever it was that Ezra and Thrawn had gone to is somehow eventually related to the First Order I want an Ezra episode nine cameo, please. So <laughs> let's make that happen. <laughs> oh my gosh, my friend Dildev on Twitter, she wrote this fantastic series of articles about twin sons. And if you haven't read it, you should. I actually still need to catch up because there's just she just writes so much, but it's all so good. One of the things that she had written on Twitter was the fact that, and I can't remember the exact wording, but Luke represents the sun coming up and Ezra's the moon. And I was like, well, when the sun sets, the moon comes out again. And so that's why I want to see Ezra (laughs) after Luke has set with with what happens in The Last Jedi. So, oh man, good times. Good stuff. (laughs) I love Star Wars. Okay. (laughs) We know, Jonah. We know. I'm excited. (laughs) So that's it for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Next week, we'll be watching Signal from Sector 6. And I had written Spectre Six. (laughs) (laughs) I had written on Twitter that I found it funny that Stefan when I when I had tweeted the title for this the first time it was released on the TWG site Twitter, he had replied and said, Oh my god, is this what I think it is? And I I had to take a second. I'm like, what is he what what does he think that it is? And I I read the title over again and I thought, oh, he I think he read Spectre Six and not Sector Six. So I wrote that on Twitter today, and it just reminds me that, yeah, sadly, yes, it's we, not... We all have Ezra in our minds. Yeah, in our hearts, but no, it's not about him. 
have any thoughts, questions, or comments you want to share about the episode or anything else you have on mind, please send them to us by emailing geekybubblepod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, visit thewookiegunner.com for news, reviews, and opinion pieces pertaining to the Star Wars animated shows. And follow TWG on Twitter by searching for the handle at TWG site. Mommy. Yes. Where can fans find you, Mommy. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Fans can find me at Whovian214. Awesome. Doctor Who, what did you think about this episode? I, I didn't was it wasn't as exciting as the previous episodes in my opinion. I loved it. Of course, it's Doctor Who. Yes, Come of on. course. This is what most fans, old fans, long-time fans are more used to. It's this type of space out there, technology, and what it can do, and how it can better you or make it worse. We see that. It always touches in little, you know, social pieces. And this is more, more of the old type Doctor Who. And I love when she was explaining the little CERN yeah 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 <laughs> fusion thing going yeah. on there it was amazing you can you imagine getting the sand that we have right now which is miles long into that little thing <laughs> yeah wow yeah there were some elements to it that i liked and i look forward to seeing what what else they have in store and for the us. little pinking yeah thing. the pinking pink i forget what it's called but yeah. yeah the little creature actually the little creature reminded me of an evil version of stitch Oh, yes. Yeah, like it was an experiment gone wrong. I, I, I was uh, somehow um, taken aback by some comments because people thought that the little creature died when he was let go, thrown out. He didn't die. No, he was just feeding on unlimited energy. He was just sleeping. That too. Yeah. He went into into calm mode because now he's like, he overage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And even if it did die, it's probably for the best, given what it could have done. done. Yeah, what he does, because he's done this to, to other, other yeah. ships. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, listeners can also find Gigi Bubble on Twitter by searching for at Gigi Bubble Pod, and they can find me at Blue J Guys. Last but certainly not least, if you haven't done so already, please follow our podcast network on Twitter by searching for We Are Escape Pods and tune in to Unmistakably Star Wars and the Sky Talkers podcast for more Star Wars news and discussion. And may the force be with you. Always. <laughs>